number 10. And this has uh, been really great. It's a privilege uh, to have uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Shannon, uh, the director of Liebe ohne Zwang, or Love Without Coercion. And she's going to talk to us today about the prevention of sex trafficking and lover boy method and how to talk to teens about this difficult topic. So um, why don't I start with a question? Just tell us about how you got started. Uh, what was the impetus or trigger um, that led you to um, start in this work? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I first of all, thank you for inviting me, Catherine. I'm happy to be on The Doctor is In. Um, and I've been working with people affected by human trafficking since 1996. So I started out uh, just volunteering with a street outreach in Washington, DC while I was at university there. And um, most of the young women and girls uh, that we were helping there um, had been trafficked for sexual exploitation. Although at that time, we weren't calling it that. It was just sort of the normal way, just pro how prostitution is. But um, obviously looking back on it now, it was very obviously um, a trafficking situation and um, even this lover boy method that we're gonna be talking about later. Yeah, and after I uh, then later got my master's in public affairs, um, I came back to Germany and I wanted to be active against human trafficking here. And so now I'm the executive director and one of the founders of the Network Against Human Trafficking in Germany, which is Das Netzwerk gegen Menschenhandel in German. Um, yes, and one of our projects is uh, this love without coercion, which we'll talk about later. So, and that was, our organization was founded in 2006. And um, we originally, well, we did sort of a needs assessment before we started. And we found out that there already are a lot of really great organizations in Germany um, working on this topic, especially offering services for survivors and also aftercare. So we knew that that was not the direction that we would go into. And um, we also noticed that there were very few organizations, if any, doing uh, prevention work. And um, so really approaching the whole problem from the different end of the timeline that there wasn't much happening there. And since we were all really interested in these sort of root causes of trafficking, why it happens in the first place, um, we thought, let's focus on that, how to prevent someone from actually being trafficked in the first place. So what was the particular need or the niche that led you to start really working in this population and um, particularly with the sex trafficking uh, and in, in this particular age group? Yeah, well, first of all, like I said, we noticed there was a definite need for prevention because there was literally almost nothing happening. I mean, a lot of these organizations that we were familiar with, um, some of them were doing some uh, prevention, um, you know, being in schools once in a while or, or giving talks here and there, but it wasn't really their bread and butter. It wasn't what they were focusing on. So um, we decided to offer um, primary and secondary prevention measures. And I just want to talk maybe just shortly about the secondary prevention measures that we offer first, because we'll be spending most of our time on primary prevention. So basically in our secondary prevention, we um, are looking to train professionals that are likely to have contacts with victims of trafficking or potential victims of trafficking. And so we train them on, you know, the signs to look out for, how to respond if uh, they do suspect someone may be trafficked. Um, and then really important, what help and resources are available in the area that they are working in especially survivor services and aftercare. 
And so we've trained um, pilots and uh, flight attendants. We've trained uh, law enforcement, social workers, teachers, and youth and religious leaders also. Um, and in the future, we're also looking to expand that. We'd like to add more professional groups in transportation and hospitality. And um, yeah, and with Dr. Catherine, we're hoping to even get into healthcare professionals and helping there. So yeah, that's exciting. Um, but primary prevention is our main focus. So, you know, how can we prevent as many young people as possible from becoming victims of human trafficking in Germany? And sort of the impetus for this or what really got us into this is that, you know, most people in Germany don't even realize that Germans make up, German nationals make up a large percentage of victims of trafficking in their own country. So I think they're uh, most years um, for actual um, cases found by the police, they're the third largest national group. And the largest percentage of minors that are trafficked are German nationals. So um, in order to reach these German youth, um, we developed a curriculum that we use in German schools. And we've been using that since 2013. Um, and there we're focusing mainly on the so-called lover boy method um, of recruitment into prostitution, because that's, based, that's what affects, I would say, most of the Germans trafficked for purposes of sexual exploitation, especially minors. Great. Um, so what, um, can you expound a little bit on lover boys? Um, I think a lot of people will recognize the method and what you mean by it, but uh, the term lover boy is something that we're using more often in Europe, uh, not necessarily in other parts, but I think, I think the method will be uh, familiar to uh, most people. Yeah, so this method may have a different name in your country, wherever you're listening from. Um, so I know in the US, for example, they will refer to these people as Romeo pimps or Romeo traffickers, or people might use the term um, grooming for prostitution, but they're all talking about the same thing. And one thing that's important, I think, before I get into how lover boys operate, I just wanted to say that, you know, in most cases of trafficking for sexual exploitation, it's not happening like in the movies or like in conspiracy theories like QAnon or you know, trying to have you believe. So we're not talking about victims that are getting snatched off streets and kidnapped and then forced into sexual slavery. And why is that? Because, you know, that's, kidnapping people is a really bad business model for traffickers, basically. So, you know, you're kidnapping someone, you don't know who they are, you don't know who's going to be looking for them, and people are going to be looking for them. So um, that's just stress that a trafficker doesn't need. And so that's why traffickers are going to tend to build a relationship with their victims. And they're usually going to pe be people that they know, or at least a friend of a friend. And in Germany, you know, this we see this case very, very often, especially in women trafficked from, you know, Eastern Europe. Um, you know, it's a lot of times a family member also, or a friend or a cousin. Um, and with Germans as well, it's a lot of time going to be their boyfriend or, or whatever. We also see the case, again, a lot with the Eastern European women that they even knew beforehand that they were going to be working in mm -hmm. prostitution. Mm -hmm. But which is totally legal in, in Germany, by the way, um, but they didn't know under which circumstances. Yes. You know, they didn't know that they would be working, um, that they wouldn't get to decide on their clients, what practices they do. They wouldn't get to keep their money. And then obviously this becomes a case of trafficking, right? So they're not being kidnapped and forced into it, but it's these other ways. Yes. So, but we want to talk about how lover boys do it. <laughs> how does the lover boy recruit people into, into human trafficking? Um, and... I think a lot of this information will be um, familiar to some of you, but I'm hoping that there might be some things that 
uh, you don't know or some new tactics that you learn about. So a lover boy is uh, usually a young man, like late teens to early 30s, who is going to fake a romantic relationship with usually a young woman or a girl um, with the goal of manipulating her into prostitution later. So this is all planned out um, from the beginning. This is the only reason he's interested in her. And I think uh, according to latest statistics I read about 20% of trafficking victims in Germany, again, these are cases that have been found out by the police, 20% um, of them are recruited using this lover boy method. And I think it's probably even higher. It could be a discrepancy on, you know, mm. are they counting it as, <laughs> excuse me, you know, fraud or is it the lover boy method directly? So there's a gray area there. Mm. Um, but the lover boy is looking for a very specific type of girl mm -hmm. and um, will use a very specific strategy to get her to then turn tricks for him or to prostitute herself. So what type of girl is he looking for? And you know this could be different also depending on which country that you come from. Um, but here it's um, you know going to be a girl that is going through some sort of difficulty in her life, and because of this, she may have um, low self-esteem or be craving sort of a sense of belonging or affection, maybe even from a sort of protector figure. And uh, and this difficulty in her life that I'm talking about, it could be any number of things. It could be that her um, you know, parents have recently divorced or that she's being bullied in school, that um, she's just moved to a new place, doesn't know anybody, or that she you know, has even just sort of normal friction that um, parents have with their teens you know, in these teen years. That could all be a source of difficulty. And this is often that the reason that um, a trafficker will target teenagers, right? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm getting over a cold, so you have to bear with me. It's completely okay. Take your time. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, so a, a trafficker, a lover boy, is likely to target a teenager because, you know, teenagers are looking to distance themselves from their parents. Um, they may be going through a bit of a rebellious phase. They may be feeling misunderstood. They're discovering their sexuality for the first time. And these are all feelings that a lover boy can really prey on and exploit to his advantage. And so in Germany, um, and this may be different from other countries, we see girls targeted really from all walks of life, mm -hmm. you know, um, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, um, all races, all religions. But what they all have in common is some kind of this life difficulty I was talking about um, and low feelings of low self-esteem or low self-worth. Yeah. So um, that's what we are seeing here. I know in other countries, it's very common or it's kind of exclusively that runaways are affected or um, children gr growing up in the foster care system. But in Germany, it is a bit broader. Uh -huh. so, but then again, the girls in those demographics are having the life difficulties too. Definitely. So they definitely, yeah. they're definitely in, are at risk in Germany as well. I'm yeah. just saying we also need to look broader and not just focus on those groups. Because well, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. lover boys, you know, they're finding their victims basically anywhere where young people can hang out. Um, but obviously recruitment is happening more and more online on different social media platforms, on dating apps. Yeah. And even, and this is interesting, sometimes, I mean, we're seeing now lover boys starting to target older women as well. Mm -hmm. And single mothers who may be having, for example, addiction problems. So they might enroll in like a recovery program Mm -hmm. to meet and recruit these women, or um, they may target women that are already in prostitution. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and try to get them to work for them. So, yeah, um, but I mean, that's an important point to um, not for the other countries that think of, oh, well, we've got these particular groups of girls with these known risk factors in foster care or runaways or something like that. And then they can have blinders on as to yep. uh, who is actually <coughs> at more at risk. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess what um, what's important also about this method is um, once that once contact is made, I mean that's when the lover boy really is going to be turning it on because his main priority is to get this girl to fall in love with him quickly, and to become her number one priority um, and psychologically dependent on him. So he wants to become the center of her universe, so that he can prevent any other voices of reason from influencing her, like parents or other family and friends. And so he'll, you know, shower her with time and extravagant gifts and attention, and he'll always be there to listen to her problems and, you know, always take her side if she's in any kind of argument and, and really stoke any resentments that might be brewing between her and her parents or her and her friends. And he'll be taking her out on nice dates and, you know, drive her to school and pick her up after school. And this is all in an attempt to really control, completely control her environment. And, um, he wants also to start a sexual relationship with her very, very quickly. And if he's her first boyfriend, or if she's even a virgin, this is even better for him because she really doesn't have any uh, experience with how adult relationships are working. And he can make her believe that um, anything he's trying to get her do later is normal and mm -hmm. begin grooming her sexually for prostitution. So he's gonna try to really override any natural sexual inhibitions that she may have to protect herself, rightly so. Yeah. By saying, for example, that, you know, she's she's just being a prude or, you know, she can't be sexually free until she's done X, Y. Yeah. And, you know, he may introduce her to porn or something if she hasn't already been exposed. <coughs> <coughs> And just can you know, convince her that this is how sex is, this is how sex should be. Yeah. And being that first sexual contact for her is really another thing that cements that that bond that they have with each other. And the lover boy knows this. He knows that that first sexual experience for you know this girl is very important. And so he's going to use that. And when the whole lover boy method is revealed and comes crashing down, is when at some point, you know, um, a crisis is fabricated, a financial crisis where the lover boy um, says, oh, I, you know, I owe this person all this money. And if I don't pay it, you know, they're going to kill me. So how can we come up with money fast? Well, prostitution or a different tactic would be, oh, you know, I love you so much and I want to marry you and have a house with you and kids, but we need money to do that. Well, how are we going to get the money? Well, prostitution, the, you know, and we're going to work towards a, a future together. And if at some point the girl stops cooperating, because oftentimes at the beginning, you know, they'll go along with it, even though they're not really sure about it or whatever, but they think, well, it's just going to be for a little while. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's not just a little while. Um, and if they stop cooperating, that's when the threats and the violence and the coercion starts. And he may have secretly filmed her, you know, having mm -hmm. sex with Johns or threatened to put them on the Internet or show her family. He may threaten to hurt her or her family. And he may actually become violent, you know. And then apologize later and say it will never happen again, but of course it does. So he may he may even be able to convince her this is all her fault that this is happening. So yeah. it is sometimes a very similar dynamic that you see in you know cases of domestic abuse and things uh -huh. like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's basically the lover boy method in a nutshell. Sure. 
Now, just a question. <laughs> I know the majority is with girls, but you ever yeah. seen cases or heard of uh, where boys are being groomed by men in homosexual relationships or rent boys um, or boys that are then become gay for pay, uh, that kind of thing, um, whether they're heterosexual or homosexual. I've ever um, seen or heard of this happen. So that's a very good question. Um, and I we have heard sort of anecdotal information about this. Um, to my knowledge, it's not happening on a large degree, yeah. to, on a large scale using this method. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are definitely men and boys being exploited in prostitution. Yeah. But it's usually not happening in exactly this way. Yeah. Um, also, you know, men and boys are sometimes used by traffickers in sort of a supporting role. So they can yeah. also get roped into this as, you know, drug mules or um, middlemen that will be sent to find girls or, you know, all kinds of things. So they can't also be exploited in other ways. Yeah, great. <clears throat> um, so can you briefly describe your curriculum? Yes. I would love to. So yeah, as Catherine mentioned at the beginning, um, we developed a curriculum on trafficking prevention for German schools um, in order to reach German youth. Um, and we either do this in same sex or mixed sex groups. And there are advantages to and disadvantages to both of those setups. But the program is called Liebe ohne Zwang, which means love without coercion, I guess, translating directly. <laughs> but um, What's really important, and I want to I want to preface going into detail by saying what's I think really important about our curriculum and should be important with any type of prevention measure is that the program needs to aim to measurably change behaviors and attitudes that are gonna that make someone vulnerable in the first place instead of just delivering information on a certain topic. So you know, giving a presentation on trafficking and the lover boy method to a bunch of teenagers that's not prevention, it's information. Mm -hmm. So until you can bring the target group to sort of connect the dots for themselves and recognize how they could be vulnerable and then how to change that, you haven't actually done prevention. So, so I think that's just really important to mention for any sort of prevention measures that people may be considering. Now in our program, we use um, a story of how a girl meets a lover boy and is then manipulated into prostitution as the foundation of the program. And then at set intervals during the story, we stop and we do exercises and games and have discussion groups with the teens to sort of measure their knowledge of certain topics and also to identify the vulnerabilities that they can then work on. And what makes you vulnerable to a trafficker? I mean, not having a good support system, um, not knowing how to recognize if you're in an unhealthy relationship, if you don't have personal boundaries, lack of self-esteem, or knowing that you're you know, worth something, so a lack of knowledge of your self-worth, if you're allowing yourself to be influenced by harmful media and, and, and porn even, you know, that really influences your sexuality and how you see yourself, also engaging in certain risky behaviors that could also make you vulnerable to trafficking, and um, in also engaging in risky behaviors online. I mean, that's becoming even more important. So these are the behaviors and attitudes that we address with our program and are trying to change in the curriculum um, in addition to providing information on trafficking and the lover boy method. So we need to do both and we need to um, also measure it. That's important as well. So we've found that surveys, either written or oral, we use both, um, are really helpful for that. 
And we usually do our curriculum um, as part of a, a whole sort of project day at a school or a week, a project week. We've done that as well. But the lessons can be presented over um, longer periods of time. So the program feasibly could, I mean, it's very flexible. So you could do two hours every Monday for, you know, five or six weeks. So, yeah. So this is pretty in-depth and, and it requires a commitment of time Definitely. Uh, by the school. And so how, how do you get into schools? I mean, how do you even get the schools to say, oh yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about lover boys and sex trafficking and, and all these <laughs> things. And, and, but, oh, by the way, this is going to take not an insignificant amount of time. Yeah. Like you said, it's not just information where you go in, give a talk and then come out. I mean, this is, it sounds like a bit of a commitment. So how does, um, what's your in? And I know this is German context, but I think there's lessons that for everyone here. Yeah. So um, again, great question. It was, it was very difficult for us at first to get into the schools. Um, we often would get the reaction from them. Well, we don't have time for that. Um, we don't have that problem at our school. This is not relevant to our daily school life. And, um, but the schools were unaware of how relevant it actually was um, because in sort of the most populous regions of Germany, like in Berlin and the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, where we had done a lot of workshops, you know, we would do surveys at the end and ask the kids, you know, do you know, do you think you know, um, someone who is a victim of a lover boy. And I, in every, almost every class, there was at least one person who said yes. <clears throat> so um, they didn't know what they didn't know, I guess the schools. Um, sometimes we were able to get our foot in the door by saying, well, our program is also about forming healthy relationships, about mm -hmm. healthy sexuality, about raising self-esteem and being safe online. And, and sometimes that was enough to get mm -hmm. us in because of course all all young adults need to, you know, learn about that or talk, think about that. But I would say that, um, yeah, so, but once we were there, this was interesting, once we were there and they actually saw the program in action, um, even if we were only allowed to do a two-hour version or so, and I think that's, that's a good tip too, is to prepare different lengths that you mm -hmm. can do so that mm -hmm. you can basically use any time that you're given. Um, but anyway, the schools were always really impressed and invited us back to talk to the other classes or, you know, booked us to come every year and talk to all of the eighth grade classes. So, um, but our big, our big breakthrough, I would say, was when we started getting media coverage. Mm -hmm. So there were some high profile um, lover boy trafficking cases in Berlin or in, not just in Berlin, but in Germany in general. And um, there was a film made for TV about the lover boy method and then an investigative report afterward. And in this report, um, a journalist sort of featured our prevention program as sort of a, well, what can we do about this problem? And um, there've been a couple of reports on the program since. And I would say that was the most effective at getting us, like getting schools to accept us. So I would encourage anyone, you know, trying to get into schools to do prevention, to reach out to media, invite them to a workshop. I mean, obviously you have to be careful with the students' uh, privacy and things like that, but it can be a good way to, um, educate the public about the program and and showcase your program and that you guys are part of the solution. So I, that was that was what really did it for us, the media. Super, super. And what about other types of school age activities, after school programs, centers of worship, uh, other youth oriented programs? Right. Yeah. Well, we like we mostly go into schools um, mm -hmm. because pretty much all kids in school in Germany go to school. So it's a good place to reach them. However, 
um, people do use our programs in, um, you know, in group homes, in youth groups, um, at churches, at summer camps. So um, it's definitely, um, you can definitely use it there as well. And we've developed a handbook of materials so that basically anyone can use these materials after completing a training with us. And so we've trained multipliers all over the country um, to implement the curriculum. And um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier when talking about the curriculum is that um, sort of the age group that we target, um, we try to do between the ages of 13 and 19. Um, so basically junior high all the way up through high school or vocational schools. And um, we also provide a variety of exercises in the handbook for various age groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the kids are changing a lot between you know 13 and 19. So the activities you're doing or the discussions you're having, they need to be adaptable and sure. you know, be able to change accordingly. Yeah. Sure. And it, and you know, just to make a point, uh, which I think you already made, is that you're talking to not just the girls about how to protect themselves, but also boys about how to treat girls and how to treat females and what is healthy sexual relationship, not just from the girl's perspective, but also from the um, boy's perspective too, which I think is a very important point. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I would I would encourage, you know, people to, to do this type of prevention in mixed sex yeah. groups. It's also good to split them up for a little while because, you know, they feel comfortable then talking about different things. But I mean, we're currently adding a new module to the program that's just for boys, mm -hmm. you know, because we need to keep in mind that, you know, boys are a great asset in this topic, right? Like they can reach girls in their lives, help educate them, um, but they can also be targeted by traffickers as we mm -hmm. talked about earlier. Um, or, they themselves maybe could be, you know, if they have contact with a lover boy, might think, oh, well, maybe that's a viable career option for me. They could be a John someday, yeah. you know, and, and they need to be very aware of the prevalence of forced prostitution, especially in Germany and um, underage victims of trafficking. Sure. So it's, yeah, so I'm excited about that expansion of the program and absolutely essential to get boys involved. Yeah. So, but apart from, you know, actually getting into schools and other programs, have you received any pushback or or some strong resistance uh, to this program? Well, interestingly enough, um, I would say the biggest pushback that we have received has been from um, from churches or from mm. places of worship, which I was surprised about. Um, so it was also a sort of a similar reaction to the schools like, oh, we don't have that problem here. We don't need to you know, educate our youth on that. But um, but yeah, even talking about, uh, you know, offering the other topics hasn't seemed to make much headway. So that's an area where I think a lot of progress could be made is um, getting into those communities because our organization personally has um, seen several cases where, um, you know, girls from religious families appear to be targeted even mm -hmm. because they are generally seen as more naive, especially when it comes to topics of sexuality. Um, and so I think that that is, it's a mistake to ignore, yeah. ignore that population. It's also a mistake for churches to think that, um, well, this isn't going to happen to our youth, yeah. you know, so. Right. That's very, very good point. So how can parents be more involved in this issue? What could you offer to families in terms of prevention or perhaps some advocacy for getting this into their church or um, place of worship? 
Yeah. Um, so parents are also, you know, a great asset for us. We, um, we offer even a, a parents evening that we can do. It's also a part of our curriculum. So I think it's always very important to get them involved. Also, you know, the, the education and the learning is going to be continuing at home. So um, it's always important to get them on board. Um, we have materials for parents that they can use also to take to their schools or to their churches or their, you know, youth centers, whatever. And um, really, yeah, advocate that, you know, our kids need to hear about these types of things. So if uh, parents are interested in that, we have materials for them. And um, I know it's, it's a scary topic for parents. Um, and a lot of times they don't quite know how to approach it with their children, you know, um, and so, but running away from it isn't going to help. I mean, it's something that we yeah. really need to face head on. And um, yeah, and, and talking to parents, you know, whose whose daughters have been affected by this, it's just, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's heartbreaking and, and uh, you know, they don't know how to react a lot yeah. of times. And um, so, yeah, we on our website, if, if people are interested, we do have a list sort of of do's and don'ts if, you know, you are, you know, someone who this is happening to, and you're not quite sure how to react mm -hmm. because they are in a very delicate position and yeah. uh, situation. And, and it's sort of finding the balance between letting them know that you're always there for them and love them no matter what. Um, but not, you know, you know, being too hard yeah. on them and saying it's my way, the highway, and this is what's happening to you. And if you can't see that, well, yeah. you know, then yeah. you get out, you, you don't want to, you don't want to ever do anything like that. It should always be open, welcoming, you know, you might not understand what, what she's going through, or you might not be able to understand why she's choosing to do this, but um, you're always going to leave her the choice of, of to come to you or not and, and what to do about it, because that's what's going to set you apart from the lover boy, because he forces and makes her do things, and you you want to be open, and you want to give her the choice, you know, yes. because if she doesn't choose to leave him, then um, she's probably just going to keep going back. I mean, yeah. the rates of that are very high. Yeah. And you so, can yeah. always be there faithfully waiting, yep. um, being strong, extending invitation after invitation, um, not going away, but not leaving her alone, but also not forcing. That's a, that's an exactly. excellent point. Yep. Yep. And it may also be in some cases, if a, if, if a daughter is affected, it may be best not to say, Hey, there's this lover boy method. Do you know about it? You know, this is what happens and this is exactly what your boyfriend is doing, but rather, you know, um, say, oh, you know, I heard about this and have you heard about this? And um, don't you think this is something you should tell your friends about? Or I found this flyer and just leave it there for her to yeah. read. Or there's yeah. this movie. Do we want to watch this movie together? Yeah. Sometimes that works better. Sure, sure. Because yeah. she yeah. doesn't feel threatened then. That's right. That's right. Okay, final question uh, for those of us in, not in Germany, uh, don't speak <laughs> German. Do you have any, uh, programs or curricula you can recommend in English, uh, websites even, um, what, um, uh, what do you know about what's up? <laughs> what do I know? Um, which we, is we a lot, love I'm to, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to get our program translated into English at some point. So hopefully we'll have funds for that in the future, but mm, we don't have that right now. So I can recommend, um, a US-based curriculum, it's called Best Life Curriculum. Um, and um, it seems very similar to our program. So it's also very much concerned with, you know, changing attitudes and behaviors and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I can recommend that. I would say that whenever you're taking a, if you're gonna be using any type of curriculum or program from another country, that you need to be aware of cultural differences. So you probably aren't gonna be able to transfer 
you know, one-to-one -one the program. So in the case of the US, for example, we were talking about how runaways are most often targeted or in group homes and uh, almost exclusively as these types of trafficking victims. So that's gonna be different from in Germany. Um, or maybe some of the, you know, exercises that they're doing with the teens, you know, where you're like, well, that's not gonna fly in Romania or wherever I am. So just be cognizant of that. Sure, sure. That's great. And I do know the best life curriculum is, um, it's, it's a little bit pricey to get trained in it. But again, I mean, if you're looking for a good English curriculum, I think, I think it's a good one. Yeah. Great. So uh, anything else I neglected to ask you about or anything you want to add um, for our guests? Or, um, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the questions. There is yeah. something I want to talk about in that section, yeah. but <laughs> we'll get to it. And it's a, a more bonus. private. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's um, that's why uh, you should join live for those of you on the YouTube. Yes. Join live and you get to the really good stuff. So we will I'll stop the recording here and uh, we'll join you for questions. Thanks. Thanks.